This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, and I am really very excited today because we have two very special guests. I don't think we've ever done a doubleheader before, uh, but and Sam is actually letting me do the introductions today instead of him. And so, uh, with fear and trepidation, I want to introduce to you two very special friends and family members of mine, Connie and Jerry Tyone. They are my brother and sister-in-law. Connie is the sister to my wife, Lisa, and so I've known them for a long, long time. Jerry has been uh, the head of a denomination in Canada for over 25 years, been in ministry all of his adult life, and Connie has uh, been a writer, a speaker, pastor's wife and many many other things as well uh, bread maker famous cook uh, and uh, all kinds of things and I wanted to have them uh, with us today for several reasons one is uh, we're actually here they're here because of my mother's funeral and they've known my parents for a long time and I know a lot of our listeners uh, appreciate my parents have read material that my father has written and uh, and also uh, Jerry has been a leader for a long time in churches ministries and Connie also has had a, a wonderful uh, speaking life and just a wonderful journey with, uh, with Christ over the years. Has written two uh, wonderful books that we will be putting in uh, the links in the show notes. But uh, I want to just talk to them about uh, leading and living today. And I thought maybe I'd just begin. First of all, I'll just welcome Connie and Jerry to the podcast. Good to be here. here it's nice to be here. All the way from downtown Jonesboro in the Block of <laughs> Studios. Um, but uh, I thought maybe just begin because you have known my father and mother for a long time. Uh, back in the early 70s, you would have met them. Maybe you each just have a story that for our listeners about uh, my parents, Henry Blackaby, that's well known but uh, long, long before he ever wrote Experiencing God, uh, you were being taught by him, influenced by them. Uh, do you have a, a memory? Tell us, well, first tell us a little bit just about yourself, like and how you, what were you like? Uh, maybe start with Jerry. What were you like in the early 70s when my father met you? Well, uh, I was 21 years old and uh, pretty, pretty lost. Hmm. In other words, I, I, I really didn't know where my life was going. It hmm. was kind of a mixed up, uh, you could have said hippie life, and uh, searching for meaning. Uh, and so when I went first to Henry's church, uh, I really heard the gospel for the first time. Hmm. And it, it didn't take long. I responded almost immediately because I just felt like this is, this is what I need. Hmm. Uh, this is where I need to be. And it was like God just kind of confirmed everything all at once and uh, just, a, just a brand new kind of life. Hmm. Uh, exciting. There was a, a group of people there, uh, university students, about 90, 95% of the church were university students or university age. And so it was an incredible church. Yeah. In fact, people don't realize that experiencing God really came out of his ministry to college students because yeah. all the college students kept wanting to know, how do you know God's will? Yeah, uh, exactly. How do you know what career, what major in university and who to marry? And so he had worked on that and been teaching that for years when it finally came into a book. Yeah, I think actually, I think we experienced experiencing God yeah. before it ever hit a book. Yeah. So it was just so much a part of Henry's life. 
and his preaching and his theology hmm. uh, that experiencing God became something we were living actually with Henry well, and so, Marilyn. So what was Henry Blackaby like in the 1970s? What was Henry Blackaby like in the <laughs> 1970s? Well, a very gifted, insightful pastor hmm. uh, who cared about people, uh, who counseled countless people. Uh, I think one of the things that made Henry so amazing, a couple things. One, it was always about God's perspective for your life. Hmm. It was never about us humans, you know, it was it's basically, do you realize God's perspective on your situation or what you're experiencing? Uh, and then the other thing I would say that was particular to Henry is he was always helping young people process their call hmm. from God. Hmm. And that was so key for him. So in other words, every single person were processing the call and he was kind of that agent to make that process work. Hmm. And so people were feeling called, understanding their call from God and, and willing to serve God in yeah. whatever he asked them to do. And it was amazing that so many young people were drawn. You know, nowadays, that's the kind of the bane of the church is that where is all the young people? Why are they not attracted? But right. in that day, because it was a dumpy building the church was in, it was high, hard to find. The, we sang out of an old hymnal, I think a 56 hymnal, when you were starting to come yeah, in 70. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. and yet young people loved to come. They came in droves. So Yeah. Uh, well, Connie, you... Uh, Tell me what you're, what, what do you have a, a thought or an impression? <laughs> do you have a thought, Connie? <laughs> I, I, I better not leave the parameter that wide because we're never sure where Connie might take us. But, what, uh, but in those days, because you also uh, were saved back in those days and just a brand new believer trying to figure out this Christian life. And what, what were your impressions? You know, especially those people that know Henry Blackaby later as a, as a famous author and speaker. But back in the day, he was just a pastor of a, relatively small church uh right. and uh, what 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 uh, stood stands out to you well henry was my first pastor after coming to faith in christ uh in 1973 and the woman who well girlfriend actually university classmate who led me to my faith in christ she um hadn't settled into a church yet so as she discipled me for a whole year she was looking around for some place to kind of land and she was fussy and mm. she had been a believer longer than i had even though she was still relatively new so she was looking for something really special. And when she found this dumpy little church, as you talk <laughs> about there, with this amazing pastor, she knew she had found something really special. I didn't know that because this was my first experience. I didn't mm. know what I was looking for. So when I you know, began when I joined that church and began to be under the teaching of Henry Blackaby, I just thought he was like every other pastor, and that's what they all taught. Mm. And I only learned much later in life that, you know, there are all sorts of variations out there. But Henry, to all of us college kids, 
was like a father, mm-hmm. um, a spiritual father, yes, but even just a father. He always referred to our church as a family. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, when we came to Christ, our families reacted and pulled back from us. And we weren't shunned, but we were certainly made to know that we had broken our parents' hearts mm-hmm. and that they mm-hmm. were very disappointed in us. And so suddenly we were kind of rootless mm-hmm. and we really needed a place to belong. And Faith Baptist Church in the 1970s was our family. And Henry was like a dad and Marilyn was like a mom to all of us. Well, you guys both, uh, I'm just, for our listeners, I just uh, want you to know, Connie and Jerry have got so much wisdom, have been faithful in the trenches, walking with the Lord for a long time, have had to learn hard knocks at times and, uh, and revelations from God sometimes to show them a better way. And uh, Connie, you've written at least two books, two I think, and um, and tell us the names of those books. And and you know, you, you I mean, God's taught you a lot about the Christian life. But if you were to, you could pull from one of those books. But tell us something. What 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 is a lesson or two? Like if you're if, if listeners here today are saying, okay, here's someone who's had a lot of wonderful experience. You've been taught by some wonderful Christian leaders over the years. You're a speaker and a writer. What are, tell us your books and then tell us at least a lesson or two that you'd say, hey, in the Christian life, maybe something I didn't know early on, but I've learned as the years have gone by, uh, here's something I've learned. Okay, thanks, Richard. Um, well, my first book is called From Faking It to Finding Grace. And something I know now but didn't know back in the day was that when Jerry and I went out into the world from, you know, we left the nest of our family at Faith Baptist Church and Jerry went very early on into ministry. And I I embraced it. I felt I was called to be a pastor's wife. And this was what I wanted to do. This wasn't a surprise. I wasn't disappointed. I was ready for this and we headed out. But what I didn't know was that in my family DNA was this phobic fear and anxiety that related to pretty much everything in my life. Mm. And so as a result, I began to experience some difficulties in my personal life and obviously in my ministry as we went forward. And I began to pull back and pull back and pull back. And finally, I had pulled back so much that I had uh, created a prison, basically, and imprisoned myself and lost touch with God. Mm. And so God came and found me in that very dry place after I'd been wandering for years, just feeling so lost and so dry and pretending to still be the Christian that I had been back in the day. And I um, and God pursued me and found me in that dry place and brought me out. And mm. so the book From Faking It to Finding Grace is the story of the pursuing God. Mm. And he brought me out. And how did I get out of that dry place? Well, of course, I I had to learn and face the fact that I was full of fear. Mm. And then I had to face those fears one yes at a time. And so my second and last book was Following God One Yes at a Time. Mm. And that's how he took me out of that dry place. And once those two books were finished, you know, things happened in our life. And I was delayed from doing book number three. And eventually, I came to understand that that was my life message. Hmm. I was done. Hmm. And so everything I have to say that could be said possibly better than someone else about that particular topic is done. Hmm. And 
you can write all the rest of the books. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I would say two things uh, with, about Connie. One is she's a very funny person who has a lot of hilarious stories in those two books. I've read them both. And uh, also, she very uh, Connie and Jerry are both very honest and transparent. And uh, they, don't, they don't put themselves up to be sanctimoniously better than everyone else. And so if you're a struggler, um, then these are great books uh, to read. And also... Uh, for those of you who ever, you, you may have a life message too. I, I feel like there's probably more people that need to write, but, and I don't think you found it easy. I think that was a, I mean, you're, you're very good at English and, and, and speaking and so on. But as far as writing through a life message, that's not an easy task, but you did it. And I just wonder how many others have never done that. They don't have even their first book, let alone the last book that they need to write. And so real testimony, I really encourage you to get that. We'll have links to those. And Jerry, you you also, you've been a pastor a long time. You mm-hmm. always have interesting insights. I remember when my wife, before we were even married, she would go to a Bible study that you'd have uh, with Connie and uh, maybe some others. And she uh, she just loved to hear you teach the Bible. But you've mm-hmm. learned a lot over the years. You, I mean, we could, we could do a dozen podcasts on what the two of you have learned about walking with Jesus. But what, 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 what kind of is on the surface there for you as you think about that that you'd share with the listeners? Uh, I guess in the area of leadership, um, along the way, I learned some things. Uh, we used to do these three-year, five-year plans. We used to, you know, work out, you know, all our goals and objectives and tasks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's not a good thing. That's a, that is a good thing. That's a, something that any organization needs to do or any leader needs to do. But I found there was something better than that. Hmm. And what was better than that was to walk with God. And every so often there comes just strategic turning points or strategic initiatives that all of a sudden you sense God, uh, like experiencing God. God is working and you want to join him. And so you basically walk through that door, and just like Connie says, one yes at a time. Mm -hmm. And what I found is when you walk through the doors that God wants you to walk through, he opens up brand new vistas for you Hmm. that you could have never planned for. Hmm. You could could have never foreseen that they'd be in the three-year or the five-year plan because it's just impossible until God brings you to that point. You go through the door, and then you say, oh, this is a possibility, this is a possibility, this is a possibility. And so I, I learned that the key is to walk with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds, you know, pretty cliched until you try to do that sometimes. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, uh, well, you both, you, uh, Kai and Jerry have three kids. Uh, they're my nephews and nieces, or nephew and nieces, and they've got a bunch of grandkids now. And, you know, I think we all would love to be able to hit rewind and take another run at how we parented, how we lived, how we spent our time, walk with God. But if you could, if you could go back and do something differently, now that you have all the wisdom, it's sad that by the time you've gained all the wisdom of life, it's, you've lived a lot of it by then. But if you could take what the lessons you've learned and, and go back and do something different, maybe how you parented, how you related to others, how you, what, how you worked, uh, how, how you measured your success, what what would you do differently, uh, or what would you encourage us to do, Connie? What? Oh, that's that's such an easy one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would not be in such a hurry. 
Hmm. And I, I, you probably hear a lot of grandmothers like me share that because once you become a grandparent, you actually don't have to be in a hurry. Hmm. And I was thinking the other day when I was headed out the door with a two-year-old in my arms, you know, in my left arm, and in my right arm, I had my purse and the diaper bag and probably other things like like every young mom, only now, uh, you know, I, it's not so light anymore. It's hard to carry. <laughs> yeah. And so I had opened the door and set the kid down to kind of walk down into the garage, get in the car. And no, no, he wants to be the one to open the garage door. So that means in the midst of all my stuff with the door sort of half open and, and leaning against me, I have to pick up the two-year-old, get him up high enough he can touch the button, oh, the yeah. magic button to open the door. <laughs> and as a mom, I, I wouldn't have done it. I would have just hurried the child out to the car and because that's what I always did because we always had such a schedule. Mm -hmm. But as a grandmother, nothing was more important than picking him back up and doing that. So Mm -hmm. so definitely I I wish I would have not been in such a hurry. Mm -hmm. And what what makes it? I mean, young parents have a lot of things to do, but how, how do you not be in a hurry? I mean, is it a is it just that you have less things to do or you have a different mindset now? Yes, a different mindset, different choices, but also less things to do. I mean, in fairness to all young moms, you're doing it all. And every decision you make, you're projecting out over the next 30 years. Like, do I allow my child to eat this thing? And then what if he develops an addiction to chocolate? And, you know, I mean, it's everything is so huge, right? Every yeah. decision you make, you're playing out for the rest of their lives. And so that's always weighing on you. And then you just have so many things to do because you're in the prime of life. And many, many women, most women are working now full time. So they're trying to do it all. And it's very very, very hard because you look, you watch TV and other happy families have beautiful, clean homes. And when they open their cupboards, everything is stacked neatly and organized. And so you get this idea in your head that, well, that's what my life is supposed to look like. In the midst of doing these superhuman things, I have to live in this pristine movie set, Hmm. you know, that's always tidy. And so there's just too much pressure. I think you have to make decisions and choose. So many young moms today live in messy houses and I'm so happy about that. Hmm. My kids all live in a slightly, sorry kids, (laughs) I know JP does listen sometimes. (laughs) But I'm so thrilled about that because they are choosing the right things. Right. And I I know it's hard because you you don't think you're making this choice, a clean house or kids that are loved and feel loved, but that's sometimes really the choices we're making. It is. The CSB Experiencing God Bible invites you to know and experience God personally. In this revised and updated edition, based on the best-selling Experiencing God book and Bible study, you will be encouraged to focus on the major purpose of Bible reading, listening to God speak. Experiencing God features and study helps placed throughout the Bible provide an immersive reading experience that will guide and challenge you to respond to the invitations God offers to know Him, His purposes, and His ways. The Bible is on sale now at blackabystore.org, and you can find links to these in the show notes. Well, Jerry, you you've got many many years behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what what what's a lesson? If you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently, or what have you learned now that you wish you'd known back when you were starting out? Uh, I'd say the most important thing I learned is the grace of God, hmm. and how that God is very gracious. Uh, I think if I when I'm talking to my kids 
or talking about my kids and raising my kids, it would be to gra- be gracious. Hmm. Even even to the people that were in my church, be gracious. Hmm. Uh, love them. Love them unconditionally. Hmm. Um, when it comes to kids, I think they're all different. So let them be who God has destined them to be. Yeah. And And the idea of well, especially maybe, you know, you can change kids when they're children and so on. You can influence them and, you know, shape them a bit. But once they start becoming teenagers, I think then you put them in God's hands. Yeah. And you let and God. And you want to leave them there. Yeah. Teenagers. <laughs> exactly. God, send them back to me when they're college students. <laughs> That's right. And, and you just don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Uh, let God pilot them. Let God lead them. Let God transform them. Let God take care of them, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense that. And and then the most most powerful thing you can do is pray for them. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I didn't I didn't do so good at trying to change them. Hmm. And in fact, I don't think I do good at trying to change anybody. Yeah. I mean. People don't change, but God changes people from deep inside them, mm. and that's wholly different. It doesn't take coercion or manipulation. It's God doing it way deep down there. Mm. And so I think if I had to say something to parents, it would be trust God with your kids. Wow. Pray yeah. for your kids. Trust. Put put them in God's hands, and like you say, leave them there. It's <laughs> very tempting to take them back too, or to send them away, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, graciousness. Mm. And it takes a lot of, of stress off if you if it's yeah. not all up to you. You know, yeah, I know a lot isn't. of stress out parents are so afraid of failing that they're not excited about succeeding. You know, mm-hmm. and they're driven by oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Instead of saying, God, uh, it's exciting to see what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, well, just maybe just briefly, one last uh, question. That just, so what is one thing you've learned about God? What, what, what have you learned about God? Have you summed it after, you know, years of walking with him? I, and I remember you guys when you started out early on uh, having so much to figure out. And now looking back saying, well, the, the lesson that stands out to me is. Well, I would have to say that, um, and actually I learned this about God through my husband, Jerry, who was also my pastor for so many years. And Jerry would always uh, look for, look, look at someone and see what they were really good at. And then he would try to plug them into a place that needed that kind of, of uh, ability or giftedness or talent. And I was always trying to be somebody else, you know, mm. because I had so many heroes that I admired so much. And I thought if I could just be like that person, you know, then maybe I could do something for God. And it took me most of my life to understand that, um, you know, when God made me funny in my speaking career, uh, that I didn't have to graduate from funny to being a good biblical speaker. He just wanted me to go out and be funny because there were people who wanted to bring their friend from work who needed to hear somebody like me to open a door to share Christ with them. And I slowly began to understand that 
the way God made me was the, actually the way I was supposed to be. And yeah. I didn't have to apologize for it or feel guilty or try to mold myself into somebody else. Mm. And so that's, um, I'm so grateful that I, I finally got it. Well, yeah, and I mean, God doesn't make mistakes. When he makes yeah. us the way he did yeah. and wires us the way he did, he has a purpose. And so you don't have to feel bad about that. You, you didn't make yourself, God did. So just <laughs> go with it. <laughs> and that's great. And, and, and God did make Connie very funny, and and uh, I, and you you she's a delight when you listen to at a at a speaking engagement. Get ready to, to laugh because you, you will. <laughs> Jerry, what did you learn? What's one lesson? Ah, uh, well, I guess one of the lessons I learned is that people suffer, hmm. people hurt, people go through difficult times. Uh, sometimes it's their fault, sometimes it's not. But we need to, as pastors and leaders, Christian leaders, prepare people for suffering hmm. because it's inevitable. They will have suffering. Hmm. Uh, but another thing I learned about God is that he will surprise you hmm. with better than you ever thought hmm. was possible. And so those two things kind of balance each other. God brings us through suffering. He ministers to us through suffering. He walks us through suffering. but. Lots of times on the other side, he brings something that is a complete surprise. Yeah. Something, you know, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can ask or think, mm. you know, to him be the glory. Mm. Um, and so God has a way, like you almost, you have to anticipate suffering, but you also have to anticipate you're going to get something from God yeah. that is way more than you ever could imagine. Mm. And so in that sense, walking with God is an adventure. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, I, you know, it reminds me, just giving some advice to my son back, uh, who's a pastor, a, a year or so ago, he faced some disappointments with some folks that he invested in. And I, and I just said then, something I've learned about ministry, there's two things you can count on. And that is that there will be those people who will disappoint you. You mm -hmm. can take it to the bank. People yeah. that you expected a lot more from, you invested a lot in, mm -hmm. and then they disappoint you. The results are disappointing. But I said, there will also be people who will surprise you by by bearing much more fruit than you ever thought would come yeah. out of that person That's or they're being right. much more faithful or developing into an amazing leader. And mm -hmm. so you, you just have to decide what you're going to focus on the the disappointments or the surprises but yeah, there'll always be exactly. both if you're working with people there'll always be both mm -hmm. and 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 you just have to decide what you're going to let sort of dominate your life mm -hmm. and do you keep looking for the next surprise or do you keep dwelling on the latest disappointment mm -hmm. but they'll both be there well i knew uh, that our time would race by and we're going to have to uh i'm just going to have to make a habit whenever i get around you to get some microphones out because <laughs> there's a whole lot more that we could uh, talk about and we will have links to Connie's books and uh, perhaps a way to to uh, to contact her if you want her to come speak for you somewhere and uh, we'll try to uh, keep her busy <laughs> whether she wants to be or not but we appreciate you listening and uh, thanks Connie and Jared for being with us today we were glad to do it it was an honor <laughs> thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners, so email us at podcast at blackme.org.